is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they sung a hymn, they went out in the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you've done this weekend, the things that we've heard and the things we have yet to hear of what you've done. And we just pray, God, today, once again, your will be done as we lift up your voice, as we open your word, as we eat of it. I just pray that you give our pastor power, anointing, and liberty, Jesus, to preach your word to us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. I want to thank all of the ladies for such a successful, successful ladies' event. Um, I've heard testimony after testimony. One lady was walking out the other night and just said, thank you, Pastor, for excellence. And I said, what do you mean? She said, this is the most excellent thing that I've ever been at. She was a, a visitor from way out of town. She had came because her son comes here. And she was just so complimentary of the event and how excellent it was. And I love when our here that our people are getting uh, uh, recognition for that because we strive to be excellent in everything that we do. I thank you all, all of you wonderful ladies. I want to get right into the word of the Lord this morning. The Lord is going to bless us here today. Look at somebody and say, get ready for a blessing. Amen. Here within our text, we see the disciples making ready the celebration of what we call the Passover. This is to be an exciting time among the Jews and to really all the nation of Israel. Because we know that the Passover was the celebration of the children of Israel's deliverance from what? Egypt's bondage. There was a this was a time when the children of Israel reflected back to the time of the 430 years of bondage that they experienced by the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt and how that God had to deliver them out. And they celebrated it through the Passover. Passover. But in this chapter, Jesus is trying to link the Passover with a much greater event that was to take place. And in the mind of the Jews, I'm sure that they were thinking, well, what could be greater than the event of the celebration of Passover? We were delivered. We were set free. We became a nation again. This was going to be a different Passover than what they had ever, ever experienced. Jesus began to explain the Passover meal in terms of his own sacrifice for the the sins of the world. And matter of fact, he was beginning to reveal to them that he was their Messiah, that he was going to be the Savior of the world. Jesus began to tie and link together the Passover meal with what we call the Last Supper. In a few moments, we're going to be taking communion together, and my goal this morning is not to preach to you on a typical communion sermon. Even as it was not this Passover supper was like any ordinary, it was different than any ordinary uh, Passover supper that they had, 
It did not, it was not the customary thing that they did because of the way that Jesus was tying in the actual communion service or what we call the Last Supper. Even so, this sermon's going to be a little bit different for you when it comes to the way we've always presented it in a sermon when we take communion. I'm not trying to cheapen the communion experience or even take away the great prize that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, paid on the cross of Calvary. However, my goal is not to reach back into the Old Testament and uncover and reveal all the symbolisms of the Old Testament Passover lamb, comparing them to Jesus as the Lamb of God. I'm not here to talk of its preparation, its examination, its qualifications, and link it to Jesus of how he met all of those qualifications as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. My goal isn't to take talk about the Seder, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread, and what all they represent. We've covered that over the 30 years we preached every thing there is to preach when it comes to this thing called communion or Passover. But my goal this morning is just to make it simple, to keep the sermon to the point and very short, and the, the and just to teach you or to preach to you what the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart. It's kind of like a rhema word. We got to hear it. We got to obey it. If we do, God will bless us. How many believes that? This message, I could not get away from it. We didn't have communion designed for today, but the Lord just began to pour into my spirit this week, said, this is what I want for this Sunday morning, so we're going to do it in an act of obedience. Folks, the communion sermon is going to be unlike anything that you've ever seen before, and I want you to understand that the thing that I'm trying to do is in no way trying to take away from what Christ done on the cross, but I'm trying to show you what God has spoken to me as it relates to our future freedom and our liberty. Most of the time when it comes to communion, we focus on the suffering, the price, the anguish, the pain, and the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins. And well, we should. That is the right thing to do. It was the Apostle Paul that even said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. The communion is all about the penalty that Jesus paid on the cross for you and I. The broken bread we all know represents his body that was broken for us. We know his hands and feet were nailed to the cross. His side was pierced. His back was whipped, and it was uh, and his sac and his sacred head was pierced with those poisonous thorns. Not counting all of the other mental and emotional and spiritual, physical anguish that Jesus went through in the week of his passion. Jesus had one of the worst weeks that any human could possibly have. And when you uncover everything that he went through, it is impossible for a human to be able to uh, undertake such a thing and live, but he did. The cup represents the precious blood that Jesus shed upon the cross for the remission of sin. But what the Passover was to Israel is what the communion is to us as a New Testament believer and as a Christian. The Passover was a memorial of the children of Israel's deliverance from being slaves in Egypt that the Passover lamb actually provided for them. Even so, communion is to us as believer of what Jesus, the Lamb of God, has provided for us on the cross. I do not want to take away from the deep meaning and the understanding of communion that we've all been taught and that we've all come to understand. But my focus this morning isn't really on the sacrifice, but it's upon the provision of what he provided. We never need to forget the price of our precious Lord and Savior. We need never to forget the vicarious sufferings that he 
went through for us. We need to never forget his love toward us. Matter of fact, it was John 15 and 13, which is no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And not only that, the Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, verse 7 says, very rarely would one even die for a righteous man, and hardly would even one die for a good man. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. Can you say amen? We wasn't the friends of God. We were alienated. We were enemies of God. And yet God sent his son, and his son loved us so much. While we were yet enemies and alienated from him, he died for us. And again, those of you that deeply reverence communion and are deeply moved by Jesus' sacrifice, I am no way trying to take away from that here this morning. I'm just trying to add to it by showing us the reason that he paid for such a price. What we have to understand and come to see, just as the Passover lamb was what caused deliverance for the children of Israel from the darkness of Egypt's bondage, even so, the Last Supper, the communion, is a symbol of the deliverance from the bondage of sin that the Lamb of God gave and provided for you and I. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, came to deliver us from the power of Satan and the bondage and the enslavement of sin. 1 John 3 and 8 tells us, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that what? He might destroy the works of the devil. The Passover Lamb delivered the children of Israel out of physical bondage, but it was the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that delivered man from spiritual bondage. He freed man from the darkness of the dominion of sin that enslaved us and kept us bound. Amen. And matter of fact, Jesus done what the Passover lamb could not do. He supplied the emblems of redemption. This time it would not be the blood of a male lamb of the first year that would be offered up, but it would be the precious lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that would be lifted on the cross for you and I. This is why that John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 verse 29 the day that he looked over and seen Jesus come and John said behold he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and John went on and said in 1 John 3 and 5 and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins who knew no sin at 1 Timothy 1 and 15 it was Paul that said this is a faithful and a faithful saying worthy of all exception that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners in whom I am chief. The whole reason Jesus came was to save and to pardon and free people from their sins. That's why that Luke 19 and 10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was the famous scripture in Isaiah 53 and 5 that describes us better than any penmanship that could ever, ever describe it. It was Isaiah that wrote, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and through his stripes were healed. There are four provisions provided there and I will not preach on them because we have many, many times. But he was wounded for our transgressions. When it should have been us that was punished for our crimes, he took our punishment. He took our place. He was the one that said, step out of the way. I'll take the beating for you. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And when we were alienated and common enemies of God, 
Romans 5 and 1, come busting through because of the cross. Therefore, we are justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the Prince of Peace that bought our priest for us on the cross. And through his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Can you give God praise for the healing virtue of Jesus Christ? Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to get with this thing. Can you give God praise for what he's provided for you on the cross? Can you give him glory? Can you give him honor and be thankful for the Lamb of God? Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. And just as the Passover meal began in Egypt when God told Moses the deliverance was coming the next day, be prepared. Even so, the Last Supper served as a message to all of those of us that are believers at that time, at the time of Christ, that deliverance will come the next day as well when Christ would be offered up upon that cross. And just as the Israelites were to continually have Passover meals the night before their anniversary day of their deliverance as memorial. That's what they were to do. Yet even so, we too are to take communion as a memorial, not on the day of our anniversary, because the cross makes it where deliverance is an everyday occasion. It's not just once a year. It doesn't just happen one time a year. Every day, somebody's getting delivered. Somebody's getting saved. Somebody's getting healed. Can I have amen? There will never, ever, 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 ever have to be another lamb offered. Jesus, the lamb of God, has paid the full price of our redemption. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished, which means it's complete. It's done. It's over. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us as often as we take communion, we do show the Lord's death until he comes. The problem with the American church is that we want to focus on that word death all of the time, but we don't pay attention to the words until he comes again. The key word is until he comes again because we got to understand that it's not only symbolizing we appreciate what you've done on the on your death, but you're still alive. You're still alive. You're not dead. You're going to come again. We're looking for his return. We take it until he comes back. Can you have an amen? Hallelujah. It's the promise of our future of deliverance. However, when we talk about it being a memorial, it seems that we only see the memorial in the light of a memorial service unto the dead. But can I tell you that Jesus is not dead. He has risen from the dead. He's alive. Hallelujah. We seem to treat communion like a funeral service. We treat it as a sobering, solemn time, characterized by deep sincerity and grief. Most communion services in American culture are expressed with great sorrow and remorse, reverence and respect. Silence seemed to come over the congregations as we take that communion. We make this service formal and dignified and we think we have to express ourselves in a way that shows a composed or serious look that would be worthy of reverence to our Lord Jesus Christ. The thought is true and even though it is true that we're to do that, we, need to, we do need to appreciate, respect, honor, and recognize the price that Jesus paid on the cross. We need to be thankful for what he's done, and we need to express reverence of who he is. However, we cannot get so caught up in that that we forget the reason he died and the provision he purchased for us. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, the price is so important, but so is the provision. 
The price is important, but so is the provision. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. John 10 and 10 says, the thief cometh not, but what? To kill, to steal, destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son has not life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus is life. He's the life of the world. Can I have an amen? And if we're not careful, communion service can be so sobering that there is an absence of joy and celebration and cheerfulness and mainly of all there's an absence of life in it it's almost like that when we take communion we make the sanctuary a cemetery help me God we only look at it as a memorial unto the dead but Jesus is alive he's well he's not even wounded can I have an amen we need not to be void of respect, reverence, and thankfulness. I'm not trying to take away from that. We need to be appreciative, and we have to have gratitude for what Jesus done. But neither do we need to be void of the provision he purchased for us, or he died in vain. Are you listening to me? We cannot forget to praise and to honor him with life by taking hold of the provisions he purchased for us on the cross. The greatest honor that you can give Christ in a communion service is to live, to be free, to have liberty, to worship, to praise, to express the greatness of the provision that he provided, eternal salvation unto all men. If you're free here today, would you just stand and praise him? Amen, praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we can do better than that. Guys, he's given us eternal salvation. Yeah, oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord, we praise you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. There's a missing component in most communion services. There's something always missing, a missing part. We only get half of what the communion's all about. We get the part that I've been talking about, the respect, the honor, and all that. But most communion services, again, is void of celebration. There is almost a false sense of pretense on our part where we deceive ourselves when we think it's got to be so sobering to the point that we become void of life and happiness and joy. When we do this, we have, to, we have a distorted view and we don't see the whole picture for the reason of communion. What good is it to respect what Jesus gave if we never receive or apply what he purchased? Come on, somebody. What good is it to respect what Jesus gave if we never receive or apply what he purchased in his gift? If we do this, then Jesus died in vain. The whole reason they ate the bitter herbs in the Passover meal the night before their deliverance was to remind them of the 430 years of bondage and slavery that they were in. But notice, they were to be eaten quickly because it was a symbol of how swift and how fit fast their deliverance was going to come. In other words, their bitterness gave way to promise. Their bitterness and sorrow disappeared in the light of their deliverance. Therefore, their focus was upon all of the 430 years of trial, but it was on the hopeful future provided and purchased by the Passover lamb. 
Weeping may endure for a night, folks, but joy is coming in the morning. Let me tell you, joy, morning time is here. Can I have Sunrise is happening right now. Most communion services is void of the celebration, but it's not designed to be a memorial unto the dead. Christ gets no glory of you sitting around crying as if you're at his grave. There's another type of memorial revealed in the word of God. It's when the children of Israel crossed over Jordan and the Jordan River was at flood stage according to the word of God and they went into their promise. We see that the priest took 12 stones off of the shores of the land of Canaan, the land of promise, and they took it back into the middle of the river and they made a memorial there for future generations. This was to testify for everyone that was ever gonna go through the bitter waters as they would go through their trial that there is victory found right in the middle of the river that testifies somebody has been by this way before and made it. That was what that was to testify of. And can I tell you that this is what communion is for us. It is testifying of the redemption provided by Jesus Christ. That Jesus says, I am the one that has went before you. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through the river, it will not overtake you. And when you walk through the fire, it's not going to burn you. And the flames are not going to come ablaze upon you. Come on, somebody. He's letting us know that communion is a memorial that Jesus has went all the way down to hell and he's already ascended to heaven and with him he has the keys of death, hell, and the grave and you and I have nothing to fear for the captain of our salvation, the author and the finisher of faith, he has made it and he now, he is the one that shares us good footing as we travel this road. Oh, somebody needs to praise the Lord in this place. We forget that the Passover meal was a great time of celebration for the children of Israel. They're praise, they were praising God for what he was about to do. They were praising him for their future victory. Tomorrow morning, something's going to happen. They didn't know exactly what, but they were praising him and saying, tomorrow morning, we're headed out of Egypt. However, communion should be also a time of celebration for the body of Christ. Amen? Why? We're not celebrating like the children of Israel that was celebrating what God was going to do through their future deliverance. But in communion, we are praising God for what he's already done. He has already given us the victory. He's already delivered us. Amen? When the children of Israel left Egypt the next day, and the next day after the Passover, they sing songs of deliverance. They worshiped. They rejoiced. It was to be a happy time. Matter of fact, the book, the book of Numbers talks about, they got a whole chapter about how that they were taken out with a strong hand and starts mentioning all the things that they were conquered. And they went out according to the word of God with a high hand, the Bible says, which means they had their hands lifted high in the face of the Egyptians. And they were saying, ha, 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 we've overcome you. Can I have an amen? I love that. They spoiled Egypt. They left, they left their slavery as wealthy people being recompensed for their labor. In other words, they, they got back what the enemy had stowed from them. And it's time that you and I get back what the enemy has stowed from us. Even as the Jews sing the songs of deliverance and rejoiced at the Passover, even so we're to rejoice at the communion of the Lord. Why? Through his death, 
we live. Through his stripes, we're healed. Through his curse, we're free. Through his sacrifice, we're saved. Through his poverty, we're rich. Hallelujah. We're children of the most high God. Purchased by God. Hallelujah. It's not a time to have a false sense of humility, but it's an overwhelming time to have a sense of liberty and gratitude and worship and praise. It's a time to express our freedom. It's a time to be free. It's a time to express our freedom in celebration. As the children of Israel sing the songs of their deliverance, we're to sing the songs of our redemption. Deliverance is a good thing, but redemption is better. Deliverance is something that you're delivered from. I was delivered from healing. I was delivered from drugs. I was delivered from alcohol. It's a thing that you're delivered from. But redemption not only delivers you, it frees you from everything. Hallelujah. Somebody always says, well, I was delivered from this. I said, I was too. You were? Yep. Well, I was delivered from that. Well, I was too. You're de- what do you mean? You're delivered this? You're delivered? When I went to Calvary and got under the blood of the lamb and was washed whiter than snow, I was delivered from everything. Can I have an amen? So were you. For Paul said some once were liars and they were thieves and they were robbers and they were lustful and they, he listed all them different kinds of things. He said, but now you once was that, but now you are sanctified. Now you are washed. Now you're saved. Now you're forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. We're redeemed unto God who preserves and keeps us by his sovereign We're sealed unto the day, we're sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Communion service is designed to be a worship service unto the Lord. How much worshiping do we do? Jesus isn't wanting us to sit here and cry about his death. He wants us to rejoice over his resurrection. Hallelujah. That's why the angel told. Mary, as she went on to the tomb on the first day of the week, he said, oh, weep, and Mary was weeping. He said, weep not, Mary. Why seek ye the dead among the living? He's not here. As he said, he's risen from the dead. Don't be weeping, Mary. I like the old song says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 30 of our text, it says, and they took the communion when they had sung hymns. Then they went out to the Mount of Olives. If the children of Israel can worship and sing songs of deliverance all the way to the Red Sea, think about that. They got their tambourines out. They danced. They sung. The kids were rejoicing. and They got in... (laughs) They got in different groups and just had outbursts of praise. The old men was filled with laughter again. Come on, somebody. And not only that, they were pretty happy because their, their, their wagons and their carts were loaded down with gold and silver. They, they left their wealthy. They were rejoicing for their freedom. Do you know how rich you are in Christ? It's the hope of glory. Hallelujah, Christ in you, the hope of glory. If the children of Israel can worship all the way to the Red Sea, how much more should we, the redeemed, be able to sing the songs of salvation through our wilderness experience and sing and rejoice until we arrive home as he comes back after us? When it says we show his Lord's death until he comes, in other words, we're signifying we believe in your death. 
We believe in your resurrection. And we're praising you, and we're going to sing the songs that deliver us until we are able to sing them anew with you in heaven. From now on, we're going to praise you. We're going to glorify you for what you've done and what you've accomplished in our lives. What good is it to reverence the price without embracing the provision? Amen? What good is it for us to be thankful, weep, cry, show gratitude and respect for the price of redemption, but we never enjoy and live for what he's provided? And that's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and joy. That's the very fruit of the Spirit. We're to have the love of the Lord embedded in our hearts. I wish I could preach on every one of them. The Romans 4 and 4 tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come on, somebody. We're, we're going to do two things here tonight. today. I'm about to close. First of all, we're going to do what Paul tells us to do. We're going to examine ourselves. We're going to make sure that we're in the faith. We're going to reverence him. We're going to honor him. We're going to be thankful for what he done. It's biblical. I'm not doing away with that part. I just want to add something to the end part. We're going to do it by... Just a moment by singing Amazing Grace. As we sing Amazing Grace, they're going to start in the back and they're going to come this way and they're going to pass out communion. You hold it and then when they, we get done singing Amazing Grace, that, during that Amazing Grace is a time of reflection. It's a time of honor God. It's a time, if there's anything in your life to repent of, repent of it. Everybody says, well, I'm afraid that you know, I'm afraid that I'll drink of the cup unworthy or I'll take of the communion unworthy. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all and right. That's what it's all about. Just examine yourself and be able to take communion with us here today as they sing that song. And then when they get done singing that song, I'm going to give you instructions and we're going to take communion together. And then when we get done taking that communion together, we're going to put away our grave clothes. We're going to turn our weeping into joy. Come on. It's all right to do the other. Again, that's, I'm not trying to take away from that. Amen? And we're going to celebrate for a few songs. We're going to sing some old songs of redemption. And we're going to praise the Lord. Okay, usher, start back there and work your way this way with the, with the cups, please. They're going to sing Amazing Grace. Just give us a moment here. Don't get out of the spirit of worship. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many is thankful for salvation unto the Lord? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Aren't you thankful for salvation? Get, get yourself in a time of reflection. A time of honor and respect under the Lord's body as they sing and, 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 and begin to examine yourself as they sing Amazing Grace.
might be a visitor here this morning. If you're a believer, we have what we call open communion. This is not a church of God thing, and you're more than welcome. Even though you're not a regular attender or a member here, if you're a believer, you're more than welcome to take communion with us because you're our brothers and you're our sisters. You may say, well, I come from a different uh, background. I come from a Baptist or Presbyterian. If you're a believer, you're a brother. If you're a believer, you're a sister, and you're able to take that communion with us. If you have not received a cup and you would like to have a cup, would you just raise your hand? Okay, we got a few up here in the front. Just give us just a few moments. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you. Hallelujah. How many is thankful for the amazing grace? Oh, amazing grace. Serve the, serve the singers, please. And thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody need one? Oh, they've done received. The same night that Jesus betrayed, he took bread. He looked up, he blessed it. And then he took that bread and he broke it, representing that his body would soon be broken on the cross. He done agonized over that event that was to take place in the garden when he said, Father, if there's any way possible, let this cup be taken away from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done but thine. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. The Bible says he came to do that which God had sent him to do. And he prayed through and he sanctified his will to the Father's will, knowing what he would endure and that night when he took that bread, it was so personal to him because he knew what he was about to go through for the sins of the world. And right there in his midst was a man that betrayed him. And yet, in his love, he goes ahead and serves the disciples. So take the bread, break it. That's a symbol of what Jesus done for you on the cross. Eat of that bread. represents the blood that he shed on Calvary for the remission of your sins and my sins. So drink of that cup. Now give him praise and honor and glory. We've reverenced him. We've honored him. Now let's break out in praise as they sing a few of these old songs that you might recognize and then we'll be dismissed. And if you're not a believer here today, you can come to this altar during this service and we'll pray for you and you can come to know Jesus as your personal Savior. Sing it, guys.
He's coming after you and me, joys ours to share. What rejoicing there will be when saints shall rise. And for that jubilee, yonder in the skies. hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Titus 3 and 5. How that we all anticipate because of Calvary. I can look back and I'll never forget the day he rolled my burdens away. But not only that, I'm looking forward to the heavenly jubilee for what he's purchased for me. Hallelujah. If in this life only, as dear as it is, if in this life only we have hope, then we are of all men most miserable because there's a promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. Leave here rejoicing. Be happy. And let the Lord bless us whole. In Jesus' name, God bless.